did the soul clap and i was like you only have to do it once he was like no three times three no three <laughs> i was like <laughs> oh give yeah. it well make sure you keep the audio yeah all right fine all i was saying was it adds up <laughs> i know you like the one clap but sometimes it's inconsistent denzel's that guy who would lock his door three times if he felt that it was better i would definitely do that okay. there's times where like you know, you go to lock the car door, you walk inside, and then you look out like, did I, did I lock? Did I lock? Yeah, let me try it again. <laughs> and just hit it twice, just to make sure. Yeah. Bro, I do, the same, I do the same shit, especially like when I'm, it's checking the door when I leave the house. Uh. And you know, I got the app, I whoop, ding, check it, get in the car, drive up, drive out the gate, I lock that fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm parked fucking parallel yeah. parking and trying to run. Yeah. My dad used to do that. Yeah. Yeah. See how it works. Yeah. But okay, today I have Quincy Ledbetter, hey. Denzel Whitaker on the SBI podcast. Hey. Hey, <laughs> hey look at him. Hey, look at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at this guy. Look at him. Look at him over look there. At him. Look, look at us. Just look at us. <laughs> look at us. Making things happen. Uh it's funny, I should have three mics. This is, you know, this is a very early episode. You guys are the third people I've interviewed. Yeah. Word. Yeah. What's up? Honored. Yeah. Honored. Sta hey, stacking it up. Stacking it up. Uh, we just shot brand new. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, short film that I'm doing with my boys, Quincy, Denzel. Uh, give us a little background on what brand new is about. And so... <clears throat> So what did you do exactly on Brand New? Or were you an extra? <laughs> were you, what were you doing? Um, I, we co-wrote it together and co-directed. Nice. It's uh, my first time co-directing. You, you've done it before. Yeah. But my first time co-directing. It was a glorious experience. Um, but the story comes from, you know, I had just finished uh, a feature film that mm -hmm. I made with my wife and producer, Yuki. Who does not want to be on the podcast? Hey Yuki. Hey Yuki. Hey Yuki. Hey. <laughs> She's here on the beanbag. Um, but we had just finished that, and I noticed that a lot of the uh, the dynamics in the relationships that I had changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I had felt this. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. And I had felt this before when I was just making music back in Virginia. I had like reached a certain level of success and. You know, a lot of people were really happy for me. A lot of the homes were really happy, but some people were, they, you know, they changed. You know what I yeah. mean? And um, I was experiencing that again, and I was on the phone with Denzel talking about it. Like, man, things are different now, but in a way that I didn't think they would be, and et cetera, et cetera. And Denzel was like, oh, yeah, I, I go through that all the time. And then we were just talking about it, and then we just started writing, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Denzel, what was what your perspective on how that went down? <laughs> no no no, no. It's, it's pretty much the same um brand new is tough for many reasons because it's personal right hell i feel like i'm going through it right now you know <laughs> um it's it's a story that's super relatable um anytime you have to make the choice to put yourself first amongst a group of individuals or one individual you know whenever you have that attachment or you guys collectively have this bond that you've grown together, 
Um, and I especially remember some of the cats that I grew up with, went to high school with, like they've tremendously changed my life right. um, or impacted it, I should say. But then you outgrow them or you outgrow certain relationships at different levels. You guys are, are growing within your individual fields, just growing throughout life right. uh, at different levels. And then how do you have those hard conversations when you feel like you guys are growing in different directions? And uh, for Quincy and I, it was really just sharing those stories early on. Believe it or not, we started writing this script um, in response to a short film contest uh, that right. got sent from a management at the time, and they sent That's over funny. the prompt, and we decided to write something personal. And then we completely missed the prompt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we wrote a script that, that didn't identify with the prompt at all, uh, and we missed the deadline. You're like, but this is better. <laughs> this we is missed better. the deadline, missed the prompt, but Quincy and I were enjoying the experience so much. Um, and I was privy to co-writing another project right before Quincy and I uh, jumped into the saddle. So then we were just like, all right, let's 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 try this. Fine. And it, it, it came from such an organic place. It came from such a, a deep, resonant place that we were like, we need to do something with this. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it needs to be made. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's fire. That's fire. Uh, so I remember I met you originally, uh, Mr. Ledbetter. And uh, <laughs> if you want to do better, you need to be led better. That's very true. <laughs> some people are followers, some people lead, but you can always lead better. <laughs> you know, man, you're missing out on so many marketing opportunities oh, this last so day. You could be peddling so much bullshit. <laughs> Pass the lead better. Pass the lead better. There were people who do great, but he led better. Now we're going to pass around this collection plate. <laughs> Don't be sorry. Do better. <laughs> collection <Yeah>. again. <laughs> again? This third yes. time. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? But uh, Yeah, so I met you at Sundance. Yeah. And that's yeah. when uh, I went out there with Denzel because he had uh, a Lou the Dreamer. Yeah. Which was... Uh, which was premiering. Yeah, it was premiering out there, right? It wasn't premiering at Sundance. See, that's the trick. Um, <laughs> that was the trick. Yeah. I'm like, wait, why didn't we were We were at Sundance because of Lou the Dreamer. So BET had arranged for us to do a... Um, the little the workshop and talk. And, yeah, yeah, the talk at the Black House, which okay. always has a house at Sundance. Uh, so we did a Q&A as if we had a... As if it was screening at Sundance, but it was not. Hey, but still, um, that's fire. Yeah, hey, I, I'll take it. You know? <laughs> I'll take it. If Lou was out there, they put us up. And yeah, that's where we met. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it, that was a great experience. You know, it's where I met Denzel and you. And it's it's why we're here. You no, know for I mean? sure. Like, that was my first time ever going to Sundance at yeah. all. And we, and we had a fucking blast. I thank Denzel for taking me. It's a me. fun like, time. Man, it's a fun yeah. time. And on top of that, it was cool because he was, you know, I've known Denzel, like, uh, just to give people backstory, I've known Denzel now for how, how many years? Is... I mean, we've known each other for a long time, but, like, we didn't oh, kick my... it till, like, what year was that <sighs> Halloween party? Was that the first year? That was the first year we kicked it. Because you were like, oh, hey, I'm having man. a Halloween party, man. Because right. I'll never forget. We would see each other at auditions all mm -hmm. the time. Because mm -hmm. Denzel started at a very young age uh, acting as well. Stro, you started uh, younger than I. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's a small group. Small group. Real quick. Yeah. You know what's wild? I, um, I remember watching your shows when I was younger, right? <laughs> I'm older than you, I'm sure. But, like, I remember watching your shows. And I didn't realize that was you until... 
five months ago. <laughs> you were like, I remember yeah, all the Jay Leno appearances and all that shit. You were on a podcast and y'all were talking about it. I was like, oh shit, my show's that. Damn, that that's crazy. That's wild. I digress. No, no, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. damn, that's crazy. It, it's it's well, one thing I will say is cool, which is hard to do in this industry, which I figured out how to. And it, it it makes it harder, but I figured out how to do is kind of like have different eras. Mm-hmm. Like people don't relate. Like that's usually the problem with young. Yeah. And you know this with young actors. It's like, oh no, you're you're the kid who was on. So that's that. But like I've been able with different looks to kind of. You know. You've stayed relevant and yeah. you stayed in the game. That's yeah. the difference, man. It's like yeah. you can touch on multiple generations. Exactly. And the work that you've done has been, uh, how would you say, uh, it, it, it's taken seriously. We've talked about this. Look, <laughs> we talk <laughs> about this all the time, especially with the work we do. Like some of the work is is more adult. Yeah. And safer. So, you know, yeah, young adult. Mm-hmm. So we miss a completely different demographic. Which doesn't really translate well for the youth, but if you could get people to grow with you, or then you have adult fans who then introduce that to the younger kids, like yeah, you're multi generational. Just like for example, yeah. like something like The Wire, a lot of people they oh, never yeah. watch that until they're a certain age, yeah. right? You know, and then they hit a certain age and they're like, "Yo, you did!" But like entire rest of my life, they're like, "Oh, what did you do? That? Oh, no, I haven't heard. I haven't seen that one. Bro. Like, it's just not. It's not relevant stuff, but it's stuff that's respected." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great debaters, respect. <laughs> a whole lot of but, respect. But but no one was going to see it Christmas Day. <laughs> I, I was one of the people who was forced to. I've told you this. Yeah. It, I, my, my dad was you. like, no, we we going we going to seeing this. It's a black story about these boys out here debating. These black boys debating. We watching this. He also made me go see, uh, what was it, Dream Girls on ah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I was, uh, man, I, if I ever see another, like, biopic about, how some nigga who sang made like man listen like you gotta understand i've been watching these my whole life like i was bred for this shit so my parents had me watching those like on re man the temptations movie the michael jackson story the nigga i don't but i'm like now i'm like you know what i i know what i know what they go i'm living it i'm living it i don't need to be reminded of the uh but i digress i've known you so what year was that okay that had to be 2016 that had to be rolling into i just got to my house okay so that was yeah 2016 2016 yeah so then that means we we obviously were aware of one another but we mm-hmm. knew each other probably from like 2014 15 probably before yeah then. before yeah. then yeah um and so yeah we went out to sundance because he was leading a the dreamer yep. uh and yeah and i remember just y'all you guys did the panel and i remember just hearing you talk and and just even just the camaraderie you two had. And I was like, man, he's really, and you know, Denzel knows I don't do this a lot. I was like, man, he seemed real cool. Like, yeah, like I rock with dude. Like, he's, yeah, he seems like he knows what he's doing. And Thank like, you, man. Yeah. And um, obviously, like, Denzel had a lot of great things to say, even about just like how you direct the film and all that kind Uh-oh. of stuff. So, um, but I, to get into your story, so I know a little less. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. When did what? So, what made, what age did you get into film or, creative work in general or that's a good question um creative work i mean if you want to go way back seventh grade okay uh seventh grade is the first time someone recognized that i was like artistically talented right right you know um i like won an award in my seventh grade class for drawing really well you know what oh, I mean? okay and i was like 
getting this is nice, you know. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take this accolades. Um, and I also like when I, you know, I was a little scrawny kid, you know mm. what I mean, and I was really short. And when I was drawing stuff for people, they didn't see that, you know, they just saw how. Oh wow, you you're really good at this thing. So I was like, yo, I'll draw you something else. <laughs> and this and this, you know. And then in high school, my senior year in high school, that's when I started like making music. Right. And that was another time when it was like, I mean, my first time in a studio, it was kind of like this setup, you know, Word. except they didn't have all this. It was <laughs> a drum machine, a keyboard, and a, a four-track audio. Uh, oh, the four-track recorders? Yeah, four-track analog. So we had tape. So we recorded four tracks, bounced it down to one track, and then over and over, over and over and over. And, over. Over. and no sequencing. We had to play every track straight through. Like, like so if the song was five minutes, we had to play the keys for five, five minutes, minutes, go back, play the bass for five minutes, and over and over and over again. But my first time doing that, I was like, because this is like 97. You know, I was like, I'm in. This is this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Right. And. You know, that, you know, music and I did music through college. Music got me through college because, you know, I was I made beats. I was one of the best beat makers at my college Mm -hmm. the four years I was there. And hey, I'm, I'm not I'm really I was really shy. I am really shy and I didn't have to talk to people. I just pressed play. You know what I mean? <laughs> and just yeah, just be like, you know what it is. You know? <laughs> it's, it's interesting listening to this right now, Stro, and you can relate because there was a movie reference that we came up the uh, with the other day, and I was like, man, I used to love that as a kid. And Quincy was like, yeah, I seen it in college, and it always reminds me the age difference between yeah. us. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> right. I'm yeah. sitting there listening like four track recording used to bounce it down and play it through like. <laughs> Oh yeah, you you all didn't have technology, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bro. That's ninety seven. We're talking about like the MPC two thousands, like new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's like, that was like the thing that we were aspiring, aspiring to, to like, get. Yo, if we get an MPC two thousand, then it's to the moon, you know, <laughs> to the moon. Baby. ASR ten. Yeah, we out of here. Yeah, <laughs> but it was uh yeah, and um I had my I was making beats on a Roland XP eighty because that was the first time. Mm-hmm. That I was the first one in like the the little squad that I was making music in that got a keyboard where you can like ma- have tracks and save them on floppy disks. Right. Stuff. So I was on that wave, you know. Floppies. And um, I had floppies everywhere, dude. In my in my dorm room, it, it was all over the place. And um, after college, I I taught school for I taught seventh grade for a year because my parents are teachers. Okay. They were, were, they're retired now, but they were teachers, and my sister was teaching. And, um, you know, the Ledbetter, I, I tell people this all the time, the Ledbetter name in Prince William County Schools is kind of like the mafia. It's like the Sopranos. Like, my mom <laughs> called the school and was like, my son works there now. And they're like, yes, Miss Ledbetter. You know what I mean? So I, and I was a sub, I was a substitute teacher, but I was too lazy to like, so the way substitute teaching work works is like, a school will call you the morning of. Like, it's like they do on King of the Hill with Peggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, they call, call you the morning like, of and be like, "Hey, we need you," and then you get dressed and go. And I was too lazy, like, "Hey, we need you." I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm busy today," you know. Uh, but I wasn't. I just didn't want to teach. You know, just you know, I'm chilling to, today. Yeah, I wanted to make music. I wanted to make beats. So, um, my mom saw that happening, and she was like, 
would it work if you were at the same uh, sub at the same school every day? I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So she called Rip on Middle School, where my sister was teaching, <laughs> and was like, hey, my son works there now. <laughs> That's and the principal, crazy. I mean, it was, she didn't say it like that, but that's how, that's the vibe, you know? That's uh, and they're like, absolutely, Miss Ledbetter, that's what's up. So every day I went, for a whole school year, I taught middle school um, until I got a job at a recording studio, a full-time job okay. at a recording studio. I was, you know, in-house producer, running sessions, all that stuff. And um, that's when, and, you know, I was in the studio, I was bringing the homies in. Sundays was my day, like. Right, right. Monday to Saturday, I would run sessions for, you know, them and make beats for the people I was working for. Sundays, I'd bring in my team, you know what I mean? And we gotcha. just like, you know, that and that was a level up. I had an MPC 4000. Oh, okay. I had a I had an MPC 4000, a Korg Triton, the 88 key joint, mm -hmm. more floppy disks, you know, all that stuff. And um, then I left that situation. I I made uh I made it sorry I'm rambling but no. I um I I grew up in Woodbridge Virginia and it was me and this guy who went by Jay Fresh Kicks now he goes by Bunks Dada we were the only ones getting like major placements so okay. like I I have a track on Petey Pablo's second album I did a track on Genius Radio Six like <laughs> what? Tupac and Young Buck yeah it was so I was <laughs> okay yeah I was doing all that and then. Like that situation kind of like was a bad situation. So I, you know, <laughs> my dad woke me up one day when it was really bad. He said, uh, wake up. It was 6 a.m. He woke me up. It was like, hey, we're going to that studio. We're going to get your shit. And uh, I was like, all right, <clears throat> you know, because, yeah. you know, we we're trying to find a way out. I was talking to lawyers and shit. And um, yeah, when your dad got to be like, yeah, we, yeah. we going to go get your stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I had a key. So we went in there and he was like, uh, only take what's yours. Because if you take anything that's not your only, he said, only take what you have receipts for. And I, a lot of that stuff was mine, but I didn't have receipts for all of it. So like, I was like, but this is mine. He was like, if you take it, they'll, you'll, you know, they'll lock you up. You know what I mean? So I didn't have enough to make music after oh, I left for like gosh. six months. Yeah. So I was like, I set up like a, a, you know, a hood rig studio in my parents' basement. Um, but it was six months before I could make music again. Uh, and during that time, I thought about, like, you know, I had, just, I had just heard the Beatles. I had just heard all this other kind of music. My boy Ryan put me on to all kinds of other shit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, man, I had a lot of time to think about, like, the kind of music I wanted to make. And that's when I started thinking, like, yo, I want to be an artist. I want to I be on my music, you know? And this is you. what led me to film. So, like, I became an artist. I started, like you know, writing my own stuff, singing on my own tracks and all that stuff, but it was, like, really weird music, you know? Yeah. And I needed to make extra money. I became a photographer because I got good at that because I needed, when I became an artist, I needed, now we're in 2005, I needed photos for my website. Right. And I looked at photographers. They were too expensive. I was like, well, shit, for this much money, I could buy a camera and a lens and a tripod. <laughs> do this shit myself. Yeah, do this shit myself. Yeah. And that's how my pops raised me and my brother and my sister. Mm -hmm. So I did that. Took my pictures, timer, and, you know, posing in front of my, the white wall in my me and my brother's apartment. And um, <clears throat> people saw the website, and they knew my music. They were like, yeah, the music's good. Who took your photos, though? You know? 
And I was like, I did. And then I started taking their photos. And right. my boy Ryan, that same friend of mine, became a stand-up comic. And I started going to comedy shows. And I took their photos, their headshots. And <laughs> that's it. then I moved to New York. I'm skipping a lot, but I moved to New York. And that was the DSLR revolution. And I bought a 5D Mark II. And I was like, oh, I can shoot film with this, you know? Mm. And I had always worked on film since college, you know? But it was like when Ryan needed me to act in something I'd be in it or when he needed help shooting something I'd be in it. or my comic friends you right. know had, were doing a variety show we used to do this variety show that kind of like SNL but lot you know yeah uh, some DC. more content pieces yeah exactly movies yeah. yeah I'd write some of that stuff so it was like a fun thing but when the 5D came out and I got that I was like oh this film is everything that I want to do it's writing it's directing it's it's it is photography and it's right. playing with light. It's, it's music. It's music. It's everything. And that was in 2007, and I was just like, you know, damn, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's man. crazy how things can like something as bad as that is like you not getting your equipment back. Can yeah, lead you yeah, exactly in another direction though that opens up doors that makes you go, oh wait, yeah. And at the time, it was, like, the lowest point of my life. Oh, of course. Which now yeah. seems, like, lightweight now. <laughs> like, at the time, I was like, this is it. This is the end. I'm 23 years old. What is my life, you know? But but that that's how it happens. Yeah, Because, exactly. I mean, I, I know how... I can't explain how many things I've learned how to do mm -hmm. just by not having someone else to do them. Right. You know right. what I mean? It's like when I was... When I first started making music, I was always like, oh, I'm going to need somebody. You know the whole... Need somebody to mix it. Need somebody yeah. to mix it down. It never quite sounds like, no, nigga, yeah. you just need to make enough beats until you kind of, your mixes yeah. are kind of good. You know, it's like, it, it's uh, same with like, I haven't gotten into writing, but mm -hmm. like, I know it's like another thing. It's like, oh yeah, like, yeah, you'll suck at it for a bit, but then like that, it might not even be writing for you. Yeah. It might just be the writing gets you into, oh, yeah. you, you're better at this. You mm -hmm. know? And that's the trick. Something that you said is very important that I think a lot of people miss and this is what stops 99 percent of people you have to you, you have to let it suck for a bit mm -hmm. you have to you have to accept that you're going to be bad at it possibly for a very long time you know <laughs> what i mean possibly. possibly for a very long time yeah and the feeling another thing people skip and this is my experience but like the feeling of sucking at it for me never goes away you know what i mean mm -hmm. i i told somebody the other day uh, my boy who was who wrote a pilot and the pilot was really good and he was like yeah man I'm just so worried that like you know I'm not a writer like you you know I'm like bro every time I write something new it sucks right and I said I've only written bad things that I made good over time you know what I mean and that never goes away Denzel <laughs> thoughts <laughs> I'm honestly just sitting listening. I mean, it's, it's been crazy because, you know, Quincy and Yuki, they've been staying at the house since they've right. been here. And I feel like, number one, I'm just getting to know Quincy during the process. Yuki, <laughs> who has been married to him for several years, she's like, I'm just learning more things about him. I've never asked this question. I'm over here sitting here listening. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on Petey Pablo. Like, I'm like... Who is this nigga? <laughs> right, like what you like you you didn't you did done did some but, shit. But 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 also to that too, like how many times do guys actually ask each other about their history? Maestro, how long did it take us to even get to know that's yeah, each other? That's my point. Yeah, because we just we knew each other 2014, but we did 
we didn't hang until 2016, and even when we started hanging, we jumped right to work. Literally, we like jumped. it was like, oh, you got, oh, you're doing some, yeah, I'm doing that. We should, we and, should talk. We we bonded over work, and we bonded over that, and then we found a mutual brotherhood through that, and then mm-hmm. it's like that's my brother. Yeah. yeah. But there's been so many questions I haven't asked. <laughs> Facts. I'll tell a funny story. There were times where I'll just come over here, right? You know, my show doing his thing. I see some shoes downstairs. I said, those those aren't his shoes. They're a little too small and a little too, you know, <laughs> look, look look more for the feminine kind, right? So I'd be like, Stro, who's here? You're like, oh, you know, just, okay, cool. I sit down and that's the end of the conversation. That's all I need to know. I, I know my brother well enough and that is the beginning and end of the conversation. I don't need more details. <laughs> I'm, I'm different. I'm different. I ask people all kinds of questions. Like, we, like Denzel said, we've been staying with him. I have the. I ask Yuki this every morning. I ask Denzel, "What did you dream about last night, bro?" <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, "I need to be. I need to be in on what's going on." Yeah. I'm like, what did you? What did you dream? Anything? What was it? What, how did it make you feel? And Denzel's like. Nah, I don't remember what I drank. <laughs> <laughs> you know? he, he over there making eggs. He like, too many questions for yeah. me. So. <laughs> which, which is sad because I do have a dream every night. But by the time Quincy gets in there, I'm already 30, 40 minutes woke. I'm, I, <laughs> 30, 40 I, minutes woke. Yeah, I didn't already said my prayers. I listened to my ministry. Now he want to talk about my dreams? But I know something. I know something. I peeped that. I never said this. Day three, you remembered. Yeah. I don't remember what you said, but <laughs> day three, you were like, I did. And it was this, 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 this. And I was like, ah, got him. <laughs> it, you know what's funny about dreams? It's the significant ones that hit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but the most traumatic memories are the ones that stick with you. Yeah. Well, those are the ones that have lessons in them, too. Yeah, General, generally speaking, there's a lesson somewhere in that memory. It's just that it's... Also, this your most traumatic experience is your most uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's like, like going back to what we were talking about like earlier, it's like when you're uncomfortable and when you aren't good at something, it makes your brain work in such a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like the same with, I feel like with dreams, it's. Yeah, like the passive yeah. dreams where you're just doing some shit. You know, yeah, you're just chill. But then there's a zombie in your backyard and you guys are running and all of a sudden the elevator crashes into the floor. Oh, shit. And then you're falling and then you yeah. just wake up. And you wake yeah. up and it's like, wow. That was crazy. What did I just experience? <laughs> I, I, I learned this in when I was writing Elude the Dreamer. I was researching it. Um, the the process that our mind goes through, and there's a segment in this in the film where Maya, the character, talks mm. about it. Dreams are like, you, you know, when you sleep, your mind is processing what you learned throughout the day. Okay. And that's why a lot of times when you dream, it's a lot of your great biggest fears, mm-hmm. your biggest triumphs, your, your aspirations. And it's like thrown into a gumbo of the experiences that you had throughout the day, throughout the week. That's why they're really surreal. And that's why there is like a, a thematic undercurrent based on where you are in your life. You know, it's because your mind is like, okay, earlier this week, Maestro almost got, you know, he he was at a stoplight and somebody ran the light and he almost got hit, but he didn't. So, like, it's processing that. So, it may not have that exact same thing, but it may have you have a close call in your dream. You know what I mean? That makes sense. And subconsciously, your body is processing, okay, when I'm in that situation again, I need to do this. You know what uh. I mean? Here's an interesting though. 
do you always process it then? Especially some things you might be dealing with on a on a deep personal level. Mm-hmm. You might process that a week, months, yes. a year later. A year later, yeah. How far embedded is that in your body, in your subconscious, to where it's then awakened then? I, I feel like that might have to happen based on based on I mean, probably based on your day to day thoughts. Yeah. Like how like if you're a generally positive person and you generally believe these things and you your outlook, the things you deal with are generally positive, you probably have a different outlook than somebody who's like deeply troubled, doesn't work on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like their dreams are probably Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's dark, dark Ooh, places. I don't want to know those dreams. There's a, there's a story that my dad tells. Um so my dad has false teeth. Okay. Right. And he said since he was a kid, like high school teenager or whatever, mm. he's had this dream. It's a recurring dream. His teeth are just falling out. No, no, no. It's I get where that he's, all the time. Yeah, that means something. I forget what it means. Yeah. I forget, but if you Google it, it'll tell you what that means. Um, teeth falling out. Uh, you're you have no pants on somewhere. Like I used to have the no pants dream I all the time. I had that dream. I'd like to have. What you doing? I'm just hanging out just at hanging the beach. <laughs> no, but my dad used my dad used to have this dream when he was a kid, uh, like teenager, teenager age or whatever, and uh, into adulthood, where he's laying in bed, and this shadowy figure will walk into his room and just stand over him, oh. and like watch him. But it's a recurring dream he had. Right when he was mid-20s or something like that, mm-hmm. he got false teeth. All his teeth taken out, stitches or whatever. And that night, he had the same dream. And this is a dream he's had since he was a kid. He had the same dream. He was laying in bed, and this time, the shadowy figure ran in the room and shook him awake. And he woke up, and his stitches had popped or ripped, and he was bleeding out. And it saved his life. So it's almost like it seemed like a scary demonic type yeah, thing, yeah. but it almost could have been a guardian angel was, type deal. And he hasn't had the dream since. Now that's yeah. wild. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Shit. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, that's so that's that's. He's <laughs> like, you trying to say my dad's crazy? He's like, he, <laughs> he should get uh, checked out. <laughs> <laughs> I know a great little place. It's it's kind of far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the walls are padded. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no, but damn, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I dreams always, are powerful things, man. Man, it's funny. I always have this, which I know I can already summarize kind of this, but I, I have this dream where I'm always I'm in this suite or like this very it's this very nice place. Mm-hmm. This extremely nice place, and. Everybody keeps telling me, oh, yeah, like, the the top, like, Sweden, whatever, is on that foot. But, you, like, you can't go up there. Like, no one's – and it's like uh, – and I keep running into people that I, like, either know or who I've worked with and things on my sweet floor, and then they go up. But I already know what this what this dream means. Yeah. It's just like, damn, I dream about that, though. Yeah. And that's like it, – but it's sh- – it sh- and sometimes I'll forget. Like, I'll wake up, don't really remember what I dreamt about, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then something will happen throughout the day, and you'll go, "Huh? Oh yeah, and it was like that room, and then it's that, that but that, yeah, it's right. like, huh? It's like a crazy, yeah. This is an extremely interesting conversation. 
you know, sometimes when they talk about dreams, it's, it's, you know, like meditation is mm -hmm. a form of connecting with the world mm -hmm. and, and your inner spirit. Dreams are sometimes the closest conversation we could have to God and what that is for our inner spirit and what our spirit is trying to say. So that's why I'm just sitting over here, you know, literally like <laughs> the jaw dropped <laughs> listening to your story and listening to your pop story because yeah. these are interesting dreams and how they actually manifest in real life or how they make you feel in real life. You know, the yeah. conversations that you and I have, of course, with this fickle business of what it mm -hmm. is, like, that's powerful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How, like, do you feel left out? Because you strike me as, a like, a confident dude that, like, we had a conversation on set where you're like, I'm doing my own thing. And I was like, wow, yeah. man, that's, that's the wave I'm trying to get on. Like, but do you feel sometimes like, man, these motherfuckers don't see the, see the vision. Oh, like yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time, but at the same time, it's kind of like, of course they don't. Yeah. Because if they did, then, like, that would be the bandwagon to jump right, on. Right, right, right. You know? Because um, you're so immensely talented. I appreciate it's that. Like, Thank you. Thank you, bro. It, it, on every level. It's just like, fucking hell, this fucking guy. No, th thanks, you know? don't, don't, don't flatter me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but keep going. <laughs> yeah. One more. One more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah, man, yeah, it's, it, it's frustrating because, I mean, at times, you know, you do see tons of people who are just like, ooh, yeah. like, oh, shit. It's happy for him. That like, one? Oh, okay. Him. <laughs> him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, make, just making sure. Yeah. The, that guy on the side of the Um, But no, but to, like, it, yeah, it gets to me sometimes. Well, subconsciously, apparently. Mm. It definitely probably gets to me more. But I think, like I said, though, but that's also why I'm kind of like, yeah, but at the end of the day, and anybody who knows me, like, and you'll definitely be like, yeah, this is true. Like, even if I were to be, like, really, like, greatly appreciated in that world of whatever acting world or whatever mm -hmm. fuck that is. That's, I wouldn't have as much fun as if I did it my way. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I want to be the guy who's like, oh, no, man, that fucker figured it out. Like, yeah. he, he gets to just do what he wants yeah. to do. And I just feel like that's a, to me, that's cooler than anything else. Yeah. And I know it, it's harder to do, but once you do it, yeah you're you're immortal you know and people and people aspire to be that no one aspires to be the person who makes it only because they know the right people and they always have to be politically correct and say the right, right thing right, no right. one aspires to be that yeah. person now you'll be that person because the money's good mm -hmm. and you'll you know you'll play that game because like shit like i know what i'm doing i know what i gotta do but whenever we see somebody who breaks the mold and can do what the fuck they want to do, yeah. that person's always cooler. It's yeah. like, that's when you start talking, like, the Dave Chappelle's. Yeah. That's when you start talking the fucking, like, um, you know, the Donald Glovers. The, like, people who really just, oh, like, yeah, there's this game over here. Rick Rubin, even. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's this whole game over here. That's cool. Enjoy playing. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll be, I'll be there when the World Series happens. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, how? Yeah. Nah. Like a, a question of that, and this is just because mm -hmm. we're getting on philosophy at this point. <laughs> you know, when you think about like the hero's journey, like 
the bigger the mountain, you know, the more strife, the more, you know, mm. endurance you're going to need to basically climb that mountain and what obstacles you're going to face. So, you know, we sit here as, as three talented brothers and, and giving each other flowers all in our respective terms of like how we just continue to break the mold, break the mold, break the mold. I question you, Maestro, like you've been in it longer than probably both Quincy and I. Mm. And with your talent, with your skill set, do you feel like God is humbling you in ways for the greatness that you have to overcome? Why, what, what, what do you feel like that is for you personally in order to break that mold? Because you'll play me some demo tracks that I know cats who are like right now established, platinum records, yeah. whatever, can't even do in their sleep. Right. And and even acting just dynamically, what we did. I mean, when we wrote, you know, Des, which mm -hmm. is the character you play in Brand New, when we wrote that for you, it was like you were the only person that we thought about. And you probably had the easiest job out of any of us. <laughs> you showed up, delivered your lines, and you were like, hey, guys, <laughs> smoke this joint, and I'm driving home. <laughs> I said, wow, that nigga's so cool. <laughs> but to that point, and this is a testament to, to you, to you, Stro, it's like, I find, uh, I'm not an acting teacher, I've never taken acting classes, but I know good acting when I see it, and I, I feel like I know what makes good acting, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I ask actors all the time, like, what do you learn in class? And they talk about it. And I'm like, oh, all they're teaching you is how to be yourself as this person. And yeah. some people just get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how would I say that? How would I feel this? Like, how would I feel if I were in this situation? What works on me? Yeah. Like, and I feel like that's what pe people don't look at it. Like, it's, it's like... I've always kind of looked at it, this is a weird way to say it, but, like, you can look at characters like an outfit. Like, certain outfits don't look good on people. Mm -hmm. Like, certain people can't pull off certain shit. That's yeah. just what it is. But then there's other people who can pull the sh who can pull off anything. Yeah. But when you know, like, oh, man, these, you know, these kind of jeans generally make me look fat. Probably shouldn't wear these. Oh, man, make my thighs look big or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then you got to find another way to do pants. Right. But it's the same idea with, like, like you said, like a character, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. How does this person interpret this? But then how can I make it look good on me? Right, exactly. You know, because there's, I always say this too. I'm like, man, like Denzel Washington and Samuel Jackson are both great. The motherfuckers are playing those two things very differently. Yeah, yeah. very. Di but they're both going to get their fucking point across. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, to exactly. me, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, but to answer your question, which is actually a very good question, um, I do think, I think it's a mixture of humbling and testing, but I also think it's a, it makes me, because just the kind of person I am, just like what you're saying with the camera and how you, it makes me go, okay, wait a minute. What's something else I could be doing to push this forward? And I'm sure within me trying to do that, I find the other pieces I need, or maybe there's parts of myself that need to grow to be able to pull off what I want to pull off. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's like the, uh, like in the tipping point where they talk about how uh, the Beatles were, or what is that outliers? Are they talking about uh, the 10,000 hour rule? Uh, I know, I know about the Yeah, 10, yeah, hour I, rule, I think yeah. it's the, uh, yeah, I can't remember which book it is, but when they talk about that, um, they even discussed like how the Beatles, they were so good because they were playing just like in strip clubs for like yeah. eight to 10 hours a day, like yeah. just jamming. Um, and it's the same idea, even with like doing something like this, like 
say I were to run this podcast three, four years, that's three, four years of interviewing practice. Yeah. So who knows what they, whether that's a role that comes in and it's like, oh, you, you know, there's a, you're playing news anchor who's da da da. I would be better at it. Mm-hmm. Whether that's this being something that pans out to something, I'm better at it. Whether that, oh, you know, well, you're going to go, I probably hate to do this, but like, oh, you're going to, Go interview people on the MTV red carpet type shit. Oh, mercy God. You get, that's what, yeah, I was like, I, would, yeah, I, mean, I don't think I want to do that. But you see my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so just the fact that, you know, it, it builds different skills. It builds different, even, you know, running around trying to figure out, oh, how's the lighting up? And then they'll say, oh, no, now you're learning production. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they exactly, like literally. Yeah. Like, there's all these pieces that at some point will come full circle or – I know I will be in positions where I need to be able to uh, express what I want. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's it's like they say, do every job in a, in a business so then you actually yeah. know how to run the business. Yeah, absolutely. And, say, and I feel like that's why sometimes things aren't as easy because based on also the career I've had and starting so young and having a lot of success very young too, mm-hmm. it's like – had that just kept going, you know, you think shit's on autopilot. Yeah. And you yeah. like, you have no con, you would have, I would have no real concept of money and like saving it or what to properly invest in, even when it is yourself. Right. And you have no concept of, you know, even especially if you started getting, getting it running when you're young, like, let's be real, you're probably not doing Hamlet. You feel me? So, like, yeah, you know, the acting is going to be pretty subpar. Yeah. You know, um, and then you're in a world where you think people are supposed to, or they kiss the ground you walk on. And, you know, I, and I know kind of people. Denzel can attest to this as well. It's like, you know how it goes. It's like, when you're up, you're up. And when you're down, you're down. But it's good to be down so you realize, oh, these these the up niggas. These, <laughs> you around when I'm up. Okay, yeah, I yeah. get it. Like, And you don't take certain shit personally. Mm-hmm. Like, you take it personally when motherfuckers don't hit you back who you thought were your friends, but you also just happen to be on a number one TV show on ABC. Right. Yeah, that's, but if that's always been your reality, yeah. you fucked up in the head, yeah. you know, opposed to when you realize, like, oh, like, no, like, I, you know, I know what it is, but mm-hmm. it's all good. These niggas ain't my friend. I have my real base over here. I right. have the people I really rock with and the people I, you know, but then, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, I did just do that. So I'm sure now I'm getting invited to this gifting suite. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Man. Oh, man, we got to. Yeah, I know where you. Yeah, I know yeah, who you yeah. are. We should connect. I'm familiar. <laughs> Look, what's the what's the Shaq meme? I'm familiar with your game. Yeah, <laughs> you can't fool me. <laughs> but yeah, that. Yeah. So I'm gonna take it to Denzel very quickly. I have so many questions to ask. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. <laughs> so first off, it was, uh, who who brought this up? I think I was telling Jabari I was gonna interview interview you, and uh, he was like, "Man, you gotta ask him." What person named Denzel gets to work with Denzel twice? That's pretty crazy. The chosen one. I've honestly never thought about that. That's a bro. Like I, I ain't got one yet. (laughs) Niggas still out here making movies. Holla at your boy. But I ain't got, (laughs) I ain't got one yet. And I'm like, man, this. And before, before the age of fifteen, twice. Well. 17, 17, yeah. Okay. But that's that's crazy, bro. Like, that's incredible. Dog. Okay. This, I'll I'll ask you this, but Mm -hmm. it's very similar. Like, I was having a conversation the other day, um, and we were just talking about, like, 
your divine, how would you say, path that's set out for you, right? Mm -hmm. Some people discover it later in life. Some people discover it early. Um, the more and more I reflect upon my career and everything that you just basically said and the question that I asked you about the humbling thing is like, while you're up as a child, you don't really realize it all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so for me, like everything was happening just in real time and you're just taking it all in. You're it's just you're happening. Your, yeah. your, your consciousness is only taking what's happening by the day to day. And like your ego doesn't really kick in until like life kicks in and yeah. shit hits you in the ass. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, like these are very real stakes or this is very monumental. So as a kid, like I look back on all of that and I have to truly say like God really did bless my footsteps. Mm -hmm. Like I do feel there is, there is an intended purpose of, of us doing what we do. Right. And I feel that when I step on set, there are some times where like you could do all the prep work in the world and you could tap into the character. And there's some thoughts that just come to mind where it's like, where does that come from? But mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't mean this in any other way but to give grace to to my creator and how I think about the spirit. But like you are sometimes just born with it. So for me to sit here and to take any sort of credit for that, I can't. I can't take credit. I can only take acknowledgement of like, oh, shit, that's really cool. I've never thought about it until you just asked the question. Right. Like, yeah. you know, you say it in your resume. Oh, yeah, I worked with Denzel Washington twice, but I never thought about that and to share the name with him. Yeah. But I can't take credit for that. My first role happened when I was 10, and that was training day right out the gate. Mm. <laughs> That's hard. That was like my first role, which was a background role, then became a principal role because I accidentally said something, and I didn't know not to say anything. So now I get an on-screen credit. Uh, but then, you know. Now you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you don't even know what that means, Don't even know what it means. And then you get to the age of 17, so and now. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait! And he just—he just spoke. <laughs> they didn't even give him the line. He just—he just spoke. I've had to work to get these vouchers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So it, it's the only thing I could say is I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm just grateful for it because when you get to the age of 17 and then you get the opportunity to do something like that again, truly, truly, great debaters was like transformative for my career. Yeah. I don't know if I would be the actor or the man I am today if it wasn't for that experience, nor do I know if I'd even be behind the camera. Oh, for sure, because I'm sure that watching, watching that and just what it's, yeah. The gems that I was able to take away at yeah. such a young age, but then be able to process them and to live with that, mm -hmm. um, truly grateful for. But again, it doesn't register until you get older and you reflect upon it. And it's like, yeah. wow, how immensely blessed to have that opportunity, Yeah, you know? No, man. I mean, it's but it's deserving. It's it's funny. That's kind of the same kind of idea happened with uh, me and Ali. Like yeah. I I went to we went to the set. Me and my dad because he read in the paper that they were looking for yeah man. <laughs> we're looking for people to be in this Ali movie. So you know, my dad takes me down there, and you know, they're just gonna use me as background. And then the. Uh, the wardrobe lady sees me. I guess she works with Michael Mann all the time. And she sees me and she goes, Who, who's he here to play? And my dad was like, well, they say in background, they just, she's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. T take some pictures of him. So I guess the kid they had playing Young Ali had just dropped out or something didn't work out. And then, and they had, man, next thing I know, I'm there, I'm they're like, yo, we think we want him to do a different role. And it's Young Ali. And now I'm like actually have a a role, you know? Um, yeah. 
Shout out to parents, man. man oh, and that's what that's Shout what I was gonna to say parents, too. I was bro. gonna be like, definitely, it's it's something we were meant to do. But at the same time, like the things that our parents had to do in order to like, like there, you can just take out that factor, and yeah. none of that shit happens. Or it takes, or it takes years later. You figure yeah. out some other shit, or because there's no way you can't even get to your fucking auditions yourself. Yeah. Like you can't you can't do any of you can't be on set by yourself. Like you literally can't it's not like rap where it's like, oh no, I did this in my friend's studio. If my parents ain't around, it's kind of whatever. Like, no, like on set teachers and shit. Like yeah. this there's no way around this, you know? So yeah. Wow. Crazy. Oh, hold on really quick. <laughs> the boy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> But yeah, uh, we're back after you know, some slight technical difficulties. Yeah. But uh, parents. Oh, parents. Wow. Parents. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Parents can't do it without them, man. You know, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's they're important. <laughs> they're, yeah. Parents are crucial. They're pretty important. All the. <laughs> Think of all the people who just, you know, don't have parents. Yeah. They don't exist. Yeah. He went that direction. Yeah. No, no, I was talking about like they don't exist. Oh. Because they don't have parents. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> you have to be here. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, where, where were we headed? We're, we're, we were headed in one direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need sponsors. But one thing I want to ask y'all, and this is for my own education. Like, how, what do y'all, this is going to be a different kind of podcast at this point, but <laughs> what do y'all do with your money? As mm. someone who's still coming up, you know what I mean? When Yuki and I start getting money, how did y'all learn what to do with it? What do you do with it? And where did you, like, where did you learn and what did you do to sustain yourself? Well, for sure, myself, I know, like, my parents just saved. Mm -hmm. Saved all the time, and my dad would always move around to bigger CDs. That was it. Never really played heavily in the market with my money because he was, like, just always, like, worried and was like, I don't want him not have nothing, so I'd rather just be safe. Right. You know, um, and then, yeah. As you look around, yeah. the saving part. <laughs> you know, I, I, I buy a lot of, you know, my my. My biggest thing is is I buy a lot of tools. Mm. And I know like I'm I rarely buy just frivolous things. Right. Like that like that is one thing I would say for sure like I did a lot more when I was younger, but yeah, it's kind of like I I don't see the point in that cuz I'm like no, no, I I should have, you know, iPhones that don't fill up. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing like that's way more important than some fucking, you know, Balenciaga sneakers to me. Right. Or some sh surface shit like that. So like that's generally where I'm and then always a good place to live and uh a, a good car. But I never go over ten thousand miles on my leases. Mm. So and so I like I keep keep it low like that because wow. I don't drive and I don't go nowhere like that. Right. Um and then nice place because it's gonna be my studio, so it's a tax write off. Mm -hmm. Um it's gonna you know, I'm gonna shoot auditions in there, I'm gonna do shit like this in there. So it's like that's why I'm always in the house. It's like shit I'm paying for it. 
Right. You know, this shit ain't even free. So if this ain't free, like, why am I going outside? Like, brother, please spend my money. Yeah. Um, I want, I'm trying to get more into, though, like, stock. When we were talking about this, though, like, mm-hmm. stock investment and really understanding where to put my money to grow it in yeah. tangible things opposed to, you know, like, projects. Right. You know what I mean? You know who would be good? Lamont. The guy that donated. Oh to the film. yeah, you were yeah you yeah. were telling me we were at the. I mean, the listener for context. One of the people that donated to our film is a guy named Lamont, um, and you know he took us all out to dinner, and at the dinner, he was just putting me on game, just like rocking my world. Just like putting me like I didn't even know you can make money that that way, yeah. like that level stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you should have him on. Yeah, he he'd be great to talk to. I'm I'm super down. Yeah, yeah. But Denzel, uh, same question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Have no. you heard of heroin? <laughs> um, I think that's a continuous learning experience as well because as you become more, um, how would you say? Discipline within your business, discipline within your art, discipline in the things that you want to do and you're thinking long term. Uh, you know, as a child, you you don't have the facilities to think long term. So to Maestro's point, like, you know, for the better half of, you know, me as a child actor, that was my parents. Definitely parents, you know, yeah. investing it well. Uh, money you're making where you're kind of privy to how much it is. But then when you get to become an adult, you're like, oh, shit, I have that much money. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm almost grateful for that because... When I was in middle school, I was still hustling. I was I was going down to the ninety nine cent store, getting a box of candy, selling that, <laughs> you know, at lunch, and people were looking at me like, "Bro, why are you why are you doing this?" Right, but I would, you know, you you have a fascination with making money at a young mm-hmm. age, and then learning what to do with that. But I think as I got older, started investing within short film projects, um, bought a piece of real estate. You know what I mean? So it's it's getting into that market a little bit early and kind of understanding what that looks like. Uh, really it's just now kind of to what Maestro said, it, it's for me less frivolous spending because I did a lot of that younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's more about what are the tangible items that I know are not only going to be, you know, valuable assets, but like, what is it that I need to move forward? So I think thankfully to the money that, you know, we've been blessed enough to make very, very young, like you said, it provided you with audio tools or the things that you need, right. very similar to me. Like, it, it gave me access to video tools and different things of that nature. So, you know, instead of spending that money on college, I spent it on a whole bunch of video equipment. You right. Know, and that's kind of kind of kept the drive going to where I could have the access to do the things we're doing. Mm-hmm. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I um, My dad taught me early to never be in anybody's pocket. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like... When I graduated college, he it was all about like pay off those loans, right, and pay them off now, you know. So it's like, don't pay the minimum on anything, pay four times what they're asking for, so you can get out early. Mm-hmm. And so I became very afraid of debt, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And you know, currently we're not in anybody's pocket, which is nice. Yeah. And kind of your point, like every time we get money, you know, me and Yuki, we pay rent and we buy gear we we put it towards put it towards the thing yeah put it towards the thing you know what i mean 
uh, when you, when Yuki met me, I was buying a little too much gear. I was like, <laughs> a lot. She's not paying attention right now. It's, good. She's, it's, good. it's, <laughs> but, it's called gas. Yeah. yeah. Acquisition syndrome. <laughs> it's man, It's tough. Yeah. Bro. It's tough. Cause you see that lens. You're like, I need that, you know, but think of all the things I could do with it. If I right, had it. Right. That's what I'm saying. But it, it is a good thing of like having someone that's like, do you, do you need it though? Mm-hmm. And when you think, when you get elevated, you know what I'm saying? You're like, I don't need, my, my rebuttal is always, well, that's not a fair question because I don't need anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. All I need is love and food and water. <laughs> you know? Oh, you, you go there with Yeah, it. I go there. It's like, this, I don't even need these shoes. Yeah, it's a loaded question. But it does force me to think like, okay, what am I doing with this money? You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just... I wonder sometimes because I I was raised like my parents always told me like yeah you, after you're done with this film thing you get a job you know, right, get a job yeah. job and because I've had job jobs my entire life right. up until 2019 you know That's um, and it wasn't until 2019 when they came to the set of Valu that they stopped asking that they stopped saying that you <laughs> they, know saw I mean? they, they saw it because they saw it they're like oh okay okay they were always supportive. Mm-hmm. always supportive because you know anything to keep us off the street you know what i mean but like oh you draw get in these art classes you know what i mean right oh you make music what like why are you playing your bass guitar like practice that shit you right. know stay in stay in the house you know <laughs> instead of out there with your hood rat friends but like it was always with the undercurrent it was like okay but for real though like when are you gonna <laughs> it's cool but uh, yeah yeah this is nice and we're happy that you're you know uh, not not selling drugs, but like seriously though, <laughs> get get on monster.com and get let's get this work. Monster.com. <laughs> you know? um, zip recruiter. I heard that. Yeah, zip recruiter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> update your LinkedIn page. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until they were they came to the set of Alu that I noticed that they stopped being like when you like after this, what's next? You gonna get a job? You know, right? What I mean? Yeah. Um, I forgot how I got on that, but no, but I I feel like sometimes they just, especially if it's not a situation where you were like put in it, like at a young age, like they got to see it, you know, it's because it's, it, most people don't even understand what that is. Like most people you say, Oh, what does a director do? Like they'd be like, well, you know, he, he directs the thing. Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to use the definition. Okay. Um, like, you know, like, cause Technically, there's a lot of pieces that go into. Yeah. How would you define a director? That's a great. That's question. a that's a crazy question. Because I you agree said, though. When you just now, when you're like, "What does the director do?" I was like, "What does a director do?" Um, but imagine trying to explain <laughs> that to somebody who has no context no and never been on a set and exactly never, like that's. And the, our parents just want us to be okay. Yeah. And it doesn't help that when they ask what you do, you <laughs> tell them this super ambiguous thing. You know. Yeah. Yuki's parents like. She says all the time, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm a film. Pro- I produce. I'm a producer." Yeah, and they're like, "Got it." <laughs> you know, it's like okay. we don't know what that means. You know, <laughs> but to answer your question, what does a director do? It's different for every director. I, I, I've learned. You know, for me, it's about creating a space where people can do their best work mm. and getting out of their way. And if they, if you notice that they waver, just edge them back in the right direction. To me, that's what it is to me, you know? Um, some people are very dictatorial with it. They're like, no, say the words exactly like this. 
breathe at this point in the thing. And I'm yeah. not that kind of, yeah, I'm not that kind of guy. But I'm just, okay, I bought you on and you on because you're really good at what you do. You're better at it than me. Right. You know what I mean? Saying, yeah. So, like, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the vision. You, you state the vision. You have to have a vision. Right. State the vision. This is what we're doing. And I'm, I'm putting you in this space so that we can do it together. And if you ever waver, I'm just going to edge you back yeah. towards the vision. And if you've done it right, if you bought on the right people, I find, and this is where I'm at with it now. I might change in five years and be like, no, it's this other thing. But if you bring on the right people, it's not, it's never easy. It's the, it's, it's excruciating sometimes, right? but like in a very fulfilling way, but you're just focused on, you're looking at so many moving parts. Like, okay, is the DP achieving the vision or the actors achieving the vision? And right. Like, Every actor works different and just figuring out, okay, how does Denzel work? How does Maestro work? How does Chris work? How does Haley work? Mm -hmm. How does Sean work? You know, learning all that and logging it so that when you give notes, you can, you can do it accordingly. So it's like becoming a different person for each individual person. It's the head coach. Yeah, exactly. It's literally the head coach because it's like they have offensive, defensive coordinators. They have people who specialize in things. Yeah. But the head coach got to talk to them. Yeah. He got to talk to the quarterback. He yeah. got to talk to the defensive end. He got to talk to, he got to talk to every. He got to talk to the owner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so yeah. that's what's hard about it for me. I'm also not a loud person. Yeah. So <laughs> when I do it, I'm like, hey, man, so did it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> sometimes people, you know, but this what do you think directing is? <laughs> <laughs> well, since you asked. He's not a loud person, but you see how he just. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Um, I was sitting here listening to the, to the answer. I think you've summed it up perfectly. I think directing styles can be yeah, different, yeah. but what you said in and of itself should be what a director should strive to do mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and I think to, to what Quincy said earlier, like every director does something different. Some people are just whole auteurs in and of itself. Like their vision is, is, is so ingrained and, and so, you know, uh, powerful and potent that it's just, it's felt throughout each department. Even if you, you know, regulate that to other departments, their imprint you could tell is theirs yeah um other directors are, are basically kind of like guy in the ship some people just show up and it's like hey these are the words push you yeah. know what i mean and mm -hmm. some people are very you know take a step back you know trusting your dp to frame everything such and such and i think it really comes down to each individual director and what they're trying to tell the story and how they would like to tell the story right. and what is their approach so it is a little bit more ambiguous to say, like, what is directing? So I think that's why I say he summed it up perfectly. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. So now three to five films that made, and it's for both of you, that made you want to be a director. Mm. Made me want to be a director. Yeah. I, I, you, can, you, can also, you can also go actor, too, though. Well, actor, actor is very different. Actor is very different because, I mean, I, I can list off things that worked in different time periods. So as a child actor, believe it or not, I am Sam. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, 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 who was also in Man on Fire? Oh, uh, 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 
phenomenal uh, performer. Yeah, I, I know exactly. Why are we not thinking of this Kiwi? right now? Uh, huh? Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning, Thank yes. Dakota Fanning, her performance in I Am Sam, uh, myself as a child watching that in theaters, was the first time I got to see a child actor really just like get off on yeah. film. Yeah. And I will never forget that performance. That made me really want to take my craft serious as a child actor. That's um, having, you know, the blessing and privilege to work with Denzel and Forrest, not just a particular movie, but watch them in general, you know, that was sharpening my skill set as an actor. Uh, when it comes to directing, I, I point to some of my favorite films that really inspire me, which is Back to the Future, uh, Jurassic Park, Goodfellas, Kill mm -hmm. Bill. Like, these are all films that just make me love cinema. And I remember coming out of uh, high school and, and what was my college years of just hanging out with a whole bunch of film nerds and we're just watching movies. We're watching the 80s, the 90s, film selection. Why do people make the choices they make? I remember like when Drive came out, that was when I was really starting to understand the mecha the mechanics of film right. um, and how you can get a cohesive vision across and watching Drive thinking like, oh my God, this is what a director can be, you know, this is what can be yeah. achieved by a director. Same again, when you watch any auteur that has their imprint, like, you know, Steven Spielberg, Tarantino, uh, Scorsese, you know, um, who would I say? Uh, 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 What's from Nolan, Christopher Nolan, yeah. uh, Spike Lee, anybody who just has such a divine, de defined vision when you watch them. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's like, oh, you can really see how powerful that cohesive vision can be. And, and all of those, you know, wonderful, you know, artists would also tell you that they're nothing without their teams. Mm -hmm. You know, this is really a collaborative thing where, you know, like Maestro, you make music, you know that within, you know, the confines of this room, within, you know, maybe a couple people showing up, you could get a record off. Facts. It might just take you. It might take one or two other people. You know, you <laughs> Not show a film. Up, not a film, no. <laughs> you you would be hard-pressed if you're doing it. I'm not going to say right, because right is not the right, right choice of words, but if you're doing it to a caliber of... To a certain of, standard. Yeah, to yeah. a certain standard. Thank you. You need people. Yeah. You need people to collaborate within your vision so you can't be selfish you can't be you know a dictator within that vision either because then how are you ever going to work with people that's facts that's a it's a good question i'm gonna so i'm gonna take it back to when i was 12 years old and my dad took me my dad used to go to the movies all the time same me and my dad did too and uh he took me and my brother i have a twin brother he used to take us to the movies there's you a, have dollar. a twin brother yeah I did not know this. Yeah, man. We're oh. fraternal. We don't look alike, though. Oh, okay. We're fraternal. But he took us to see Last Action Hero, the Arnold Schwarzenegger joint. Oh, okay. And that, so I, the 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 movie theater was church to me. Right. Like, I loved going there. I loved the way it smelled. I loved the way it looked. And this is in the early 90s, so, like, the theaters were really shitty, but I liked it. I liked being there and being with my dad and my brother, and we're watching the movie. And my dad, every after every movie, would ask us like, "What did you think of it? How did it make you feel?" And all that stuff, you know. And Last Action, when I saw Last Action Hero, because Last Action Hero is about a kid who loves going to the movies and goes into a movie and is telling everyone in the movie, "None of this is real." You know what I mean? Oh. Okay. And it was like my first. It's, People shit on Last Action Hero, but it's actually a really good <laughs> film. And 
I watched it and I was like, oh, this kid is me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The kid's name is Danny. Danny, you know? And and I was like, oh, this kid is me. And when he was telling them, this is all fake. Like, you're a character. I was like, oh, these are characters. You know what I mean? Right. All this is fake. It's someone's job to do this. You know what I mean? Got you. <clears throat> and, but here's the kicker. You know, I was a young black kid and I didn't, it didn't, it was so unfathomable to me that I could do that. Right. That it didn't go beyond realizing it in the theater. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I so I, I became aware that, oh, people make movies. This is some people's job, but. Not regular people like me, but. Exactly. Not regular people like me. And this is also like, there's, there's a thing back in the day where you, a lot of people believe that you had to be discovered Mm-hmm. to do anything like in music yeah it didn't have anything like the narrative around a lot of these these artists and these filmmakers and these musicians that we deitize is the that they damn biopics you know <laughs> is that they were discovered not that they worked hard and got themselves right. there so i thought well no one's going to discover me i live in woodbridge virginia you know so it just went away but you know that film specifically is what p- planted the seed in me to want to be a filmmaker. I just didn't realize it then. At that moment, yeah. As far as, like, films that made me want to be a director, because when I started learning how to be a filmmaker, I couldn't afford to go to film school, so I was like... And I had such a twisted idea of what filmmaking was. Like, I thought, like, Steven Spielberg was doing everything. I thought he was holding the camera. I thought he was, like, in the edit bay. And I knew there were camera people, and I knew that there was an editor, but I thought that he was... Something about it didn't add up. I thought he was doing all of it. I thought Tarantino was, okay, picking up the camera and holding it on his right, shoulder. You know? Right, okay. So when I learned filmmaking, that's what I did. Because I thought, okay, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to, <laughs> I guess I got to learn how to do all this stuff. Learn which, every job. Yeah, which paid off. But, you know, I just wanted to do all of it. Because it was all so, and it all still is, so much fun. Right. It's so it's the it's the most fun, you know? Um, it's the most fun to talk about film. It's exhausting and it's hard and it's like I said, excruciating sometimes, but like having an impassioned conversation with Denzel and John Rosario, the DP for yeah, Brand yeah. New on like you see you see me doing it. Like no, but we're filmmakers and this is the shot means this. <laughs> and it has to mean this. It has to come from intention and all this stuff. <laughs> like it it it's I don't know. It's just the most fun. And I think there aren't specific films that made me want to be a director, but there are specific films that make me realize, oh, I'm doing something important, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Children of Men is one of them. Yeah. I saw Children of Men on a whim. Like, I didn't even know the film existed. I just liked the cover and the title, right. and I bought it, and I took it back to the crib, and I watched it. I was like, this is one of the best fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. And... Just the way it was done is just like, oh, I, I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. There's a film recently that I saw last year called Afterlife by uh, a filmmaker, Japanese filmmaker. I think it was Koreeda. Is, is that the filmmaker? Koreeda. Um, it's just one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. And it reminds you that, oh, man, like, I, the feeling that I have watching this, I can give to someone, someone else. Someone else, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, filmmakers like Jim Jarmusch, you know, who 
make some of the most subversive and interesting films that are totally different from anything else anyone else is doing, you know, but are still accessible, you know, if right. you open yourself up to it. I see that. I see what Spike Lee yeah. does, you know, because Spike Lee, <clears throat> you know, back when I was a kid, Spike Lee was the only black filmmaker mm -hmm. that you could think of. But he's such a personality. He's such an icon that you don't even think of him back then. I didn't think of him as a filmmaker. He was just Spike Lee. I see what you're you saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, boy, uh, John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, that's another one. Yeah. Boys in the Hood is for the first film I saw that affected me. You know what I mean? In a way where I was like, I can acknowledge that this has changed me, but I can never watch this film again. That's it's, what you're saying. It's yeah. still really hard. It's, I think it's one of the best films ever made, let alone American films ever made. And it's still so hard for me to watch because the shit is too real. It's very real, yeah. Um, one film that I always talk about that changed me, not just as a filmmaker, but as a human being, is Waking Life. I always talk, tell people Waking about Life. Waking Life. It's, um, I can't even begin to describe it. It's just, when I, again, a movie I watched on a whim, it was 2000, early 2007, before I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a scanner darkly, the, the um the Keanu Reeves movie, the kind of rotoscope animated movie. It's the same director that made Waking Life. He was just on a rotoscope animation wave. <laughs> and I, I was flipping through the channels and I saw it. I was like, oh, this is that Keanu Reeves joint. And I started watching it. I was like, Keanu's not in this movie. <laughs> but what is this movie? You know? Yeah. Um talks a lot about dreams, talks a lot about the subconscious. Basically, this guy, the story is, I do this every time I talk about it, but, like, basically the story is this guy is coming home after a long trip, right? Okay. It's, the whole thing is rotoscope animated. He comes home after a long trip, and his friend was supposed, his roommate was supposed to pick him up from the airport, but he, he like, flaked out. He can't get in touch with him. Okay. This guy pulls up in a duck truck, like a duck car, a car that's a duck. Ugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, hey, buddy, you need a ride? He's like, yeah, I guess, you know? He gets in the car and the guy's driving. It's him, the guy, the guy driving, the the main character, and some other guy. It's, it's Richard Linklater, the filmmaker. He's in the car. Okay, okay. Um, and they're riding, and they're just talking about some wild next level philosophical shit. And he's like, "Let me off on the corner, right?" And they say, "All right, cool." They pull over. He gets out on the corner, and then he gets hit by a car. Oh shit! And then he wakes up. He wakes up and it was all a dream. And he's like, oh, what a crazy dream. And then he goes on, he, then he leaves his house and goes to, he's in college. He goes to school uh -huh. and he's sitting in the lecture hall and his professor's giving a lecture about some next level shit. Just like, I can't even begin to describe the concepts that they're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the scene cuts and he's walking with his professor, but the, the lecture didn't stop. So the the professor's giving the lecture in mid sentence it cuts and he finishes oh. the sentence and he's walking with the guy. And then the guy goes into a, a bar or something, or the next scene he's in a bar drinking, and the guy next to him at the bar is talking to him about some next level shit. And the whole movie is just him in these places where these people are imparting like wisdom. Wisdom and philosophy and like history of man and science and mathematics and he's just like receiving all this stuff 
and I'm watching, and there's no real narrative to it, yeah, except what I just said. But I'm watching it, not understanding a word that anyone is saying, just because it's so out there. But I remember watching it, thinking, I want to understand what's going. I I want to understand what they're saying. You mm-hmm. know, I care to. Yeah, yeah. And then I I watch it over and over and over. And as the years go on, I'm picking up more and more and more until I'm at a place where okay, I I can. I can dig what's going on. But my first time watching it, I watched the entire thing and the credits rolled and I got really scared because I was, oh shit, I'm a different person now. Like, I didn't understand what I just saw, but whatever it was changed me. I'm no longer Quincy Ledbetter. I'm I'm, I I, I thought I was Quincy Ledbetter before, but now I'm Quincy Ledbetter. You know, it had that effect on me. Damn, and that's, that's serious. It doesn't have to. I don't think it has that effect on everyone else, but something about where I was in my life. Yeah, the you know, just it. But that's what good art is supposed yeah. to do. You know, like that's yeah. There's, you know, it's like especially with music. There's songs you'll hear, and yeah. it's they'll remind you of an exact moment, yeah, like an exact feeling, like um, yeah. and films as well. Like like a movie that's like that for me is like Disturbia. Oh, like yeah. I remember being in high school. And Disturbia being out and like seeing that and thinking like, oh no, this is what like this is what the high school experience is supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. Like this is what you know what I mean. Yeah. Like this, it, I I don't know. It was just, but it had a huge impact on me. Like that summer it came out and I watched it when it like it was yeah. But it's just I feel like it's just certain moments. You yeah, know? and whatever was going on in your life and if things were you know yep. good bad whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Um, right. One other question. Yeah. Um, two things. We're going to wrap it up after this. Yeah. Uh, what's something... What's something that if you had the opportunity, you would change in society? Like something that's just... And, and like generally more recent like it doesn't you know not something like oh racism like yeah, yeah we we all yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would change social media and ai mm. oh we won't have it. we just had we we almost ruined easter dinner having a conversation about it <laughs> That's funny. One of our one of our mutual producers just brought it up. He was like, "Yo, man, his name is Rampus." He yeah. said, "Yo, man, how you guys feel about AI? What what it's doing to art?" And boy, did that set off an hour Ooh, hour and a half long imagine. conversation. Chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, for me, I would change social media and AI. Not that they haven't benefited the world, mm-hmm. um, and have you know obviously opened doors or you know continue to advance us. Yes. But also, are the are the positives worth the negatives? Hmm. Um, maybe social media to a lesser extent, but for sure AI questioning that every single day. Yeah, and you know, social media to that effect. I mean, you know, it's like the birth of the internet. Once you create it, it it it, yeah. it goes and does its thing. Like you have Can't no put control that genie over it. Back in the bottle. Yeah. That's so over. so those two things. For uh-huh. me. And and, and re- very quickly in social media what's what's something that you would it be a bit more of like more restrictions on social media or you know maybe like a 
Uh, yeah, like how how would you see restructure? Because once again, it's like once it's that, like how would you restructure it? It's tough. Make everybody it's, pay for a blue check mark? I don't no, know. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this is this is more higher level thinking than maybe I I you know have given thought to. Because mm-hmm. like to say how to restructure it or how to put you know blockage uh, or or restrictions on social media, you know, they tried that already, and and people will find yeah. a way to blow past that. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily restrict it. I don't know if it's if it's a thing like you have to grow with it. And of course, companies as they want to expand their business and they want to introduce new tools and new features, mm-hmm. they're going to grow with the people. So it continuously is being fed just by the collective consciousness in general. 100%. So to say, how would you change it? This is a product of the collective consciousness. Mm. Um, and you know, same thing with the internet. It's like chat rooms. It connected us in a way that we've never been connected. Uh, and before, yeah. you know, it, it, it's changed the world tremendously forever and information is spreading like wildfire, which is a great thing. There's tons of positive things that have come out of social media. So there's it's really hard to say too, what yeah. exactly it, it, it's really hard to say. I don't know if there's even an answer to that. Yeah. But, you know, who's to say what would simpler times be? You know, because even if we think about what are simpler times, some of the things that happen on social media, like racial injustice, you know, and how that was literally spreads thinking, like yeah. wildfire. You know, thankfully to social media, we can now start to partake and even, you know, change these laws at a more rapid succession. So, again, there are pros to it. Yeah. Um, it's just the world we now live in and, and, you know, being part analog, part digital, it's hard to not miss the world that you remember it as yeah. being part analog. I, I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> before I give my answer, to piggyback on your answer, Denzel, I think... I've always thought what needs to happen is they need to teach a class in school on the internet. You know what I mean? Internet, social media, how to recognize when something is an ad, how to recognize when a profile is fake, all that stuff. And that curriculum needs to evolve as social media evolves. That's one thing that we're not learning. And I think that's one thing that we don't, one reason why even adults can't tell when they're being hoodwinked. But that's by that, that's media. because the marketers don't want you to exactly. Know. That's the but <laughs> but like it, that it needs to be taught in school. No, it does. Yeah, it does. and yeah. and like so kids can come up and and like be on Instagram and be like, oh, I I learned this in school. I know what they're trying to do to me, and they can do it all they want as long as we're hip to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? My answer to your question is, I would make lobbying illegal. In mm, the government, that's a, because that's a, good one. a lot of people talk about like, you know, the you know political nonpartisanship and bipartisanship, and you know, politicians not getting along. The real thing, <clears throat> I think, that is stopping things like, you know, healthcare and gun control and all this stuff from being fixed, and like, you know, affordable housing and everything at every level of government is lobbying, is lobbying mm. which is. People don't understand. It's it's bribery. It's like it's legal as bribery. It's legal bribery. Yeah. You can. It's it's legal in this country to bribe politicians to act against the 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 will and the better interest of the people, and it's bullshit. No so facts. taking money out of politics and getting rid of like lobbying as a a, a practice. It's a job that you can have. <laughs> My job is a lobbyist. It's like, oh, your job is to bribe politicians? No, I'm a lobbyist. Fuck out of here. We want to keep putting the oil in the the lake. Just let them. Yeah. 
and that would change everything. Yeah. If politicians weren't incentivized by donations from, you know, corporations or all this other, uh, like all these other sources that act in the interest of those other sources, then everything would change. You know what I mean? Damn. Voting rights would change. Um, affordable health, affordable health care would change. Gun control would change. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. And in other countries, just like to talk about how they vote in like the UK, like you know how politicians campaign mm-hmm. like a year, year and a half before and they spend run for how much money? It's been all this money that they get from all donors, these donors. You know what I mean? Lobbyists. They're not. I, I I may be wrong about the exact country, but I believe in the or the region in other countries and other international places like that's not allowed mm-hmm. so campaigning is i think like three or four weeks when someone's running for prime minister or oh, wherever wow. it's not like a year and a half of like raising money and all this stuff and just staying like, in hotels yeah staying free in hotels dinners, and like yeah. oh run that through my business like yeah nah like they don't have that incentive over there. So it's literally just about the um the the platforms that they're on and what they believe in and they speak directly to the people. Now they have their own shit going on. Yeah. Sure. Uh and I'm not a doctor in this, but I do know that like campaigning for a year and a half, getting donations from Coca-Cola or the Coke brothers yeah. and all that stuff, that's some American shit. And it's what's holding back progress but no one talks about that they're like oh republicans believe this democrats believe that and that's true but really what it is is like a mass shooting happens somewhere and a and a politician's like the one just happened just in tennessee yeah and this politician comes out and is like you know what we're not gonna fix this like this is just what it is it's because probably because the nra funded his campaign yeah they padded his pockets already yeah exactly it's like it just has to be that shit needs to stop. Well, that was that was a fantastic answer. I, yeah. I, yeah, lobbying would get rid of. Lobby. Go ahead and ISO the camera on him. I'm gonna scoot over here just in case Quincy comes up missing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have to, we have to go. Oh, we well, no, hey, thank you for coming to thank the SBI podcast. Us, it's amazing, great conversations, and that's it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> hey. Till next time. Peace.